Hello, fellow writers, and thanks for starting your week with us at Writing in Progress, a podcast where two full-time teachers share stories and lessons along their journey as aspiring authors. Today, we're going to tell you about six things we wish we knew before we started. Hello again. I'm John Woolley. Let me tell you a little bit about my writing journey. I've always really enjoyed writing. About 25 years ago, I wrote a thriller. Uh, It was really bad. It's going to be in a deleted file forever, I think. Then I wrote a historical fiction novel about 15 years ago, and I took a writing class. And the whole goal of the class was to get the teacher who had been involved in publishing uh, to take a look at my book, which she did, and uh, wrote me a very polite letter saying, that's not very good. (laughs) But you wrote a humorous essay in class that was really good. Why don't you do that? And I'll be honest, it stung a little bit. And there was actually a couple of years where I just didn't write. But then uh, eventually I decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do exactly what she talked about. And so on my birthday, about a decade ago, I set my alarm clock for 4.30 in the morning. I usually woke up at 6.30 and uh, I started Car Seat Conversations, The Secret Life of Dad. And I would wake up every day at 4.30 and write and pray and just meditate and think about my book and just really work on it. And then two years ago, I gave it to a friend and she loved it. And she said it was really good and I should finish it. Then I hired someone to proofread it and she read it and she really liked it. So I decided before I self-published, I'd give querying agents a try. Believe it or not, out of the 100 agents I contacted, two got back to me. And one of them was a big time agent from Curtis Brown in their New York office. She wrote me one sentence. Could I see your manuscript? Two weeks later, she wrote me one sentence asking if I'd have a phone call with her. And she signed me. Uh, She had me restructure the book. That took me about three months. And then uh, just recently, she submitted it to uh, six different publishers. And that's kind of where we are now. So kind of a a dream journey in a way. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm hopeful to be published author sometime soon. So, Justin, tell us a little bit about your writing journey. So, I'm a little bit younger than John, so my story is a little shorter. But I do remember the first time I felt the spark. I was actually in sixth grade. I was in Mrs. Carroll's class. And it was the first time we were given an assignment where we had full reign to write whatever we wanted. And I wrote a zombie short story, which was terrible, (laughs) terrible. But um, what was interesting was, you know, most of their kids in the class turned in a four or five page story. I wrote a 20 page handwritten story as a sixth grader on like a two day assignment. Like I just ran with it. And from that moment, I knew I liked to write. And later in junior high, eighth grade, just before I went into high school, I got really into Lord of the Rings, that kind of stuff. You know, I loved those books. And I decided I was going to write my own fantasy novel which I'm sure most people thought was crazy and this kid wouldn't do it. And it took me pretty much all of high school, but my senior year, (laughs) I finished like a a hundred thousand word novel. And again, it was awful. Um, But I will say I I did submit it to like a youth competition and I got the Scholastic Gold Key Award, which I think was mostly just pity for this kid who spent so much time writing this (laughs) fantasy novel. But I guess at least it gave me the confidence that my writing wasn't that bad at least. And from there, in college, in 2010, I saw the movie Inception. And I was always really into dreams. And Inception's kind of a dream heist plot. It's actually kind of a reverse heist if you really get into it. But I thought about making kind of a science fiction novel based on the concept of dreams. Yeah. I've always liked the interesting nature of questioning our reality. I liked The Matrix when I was a kid. In college, I loved reading Descartes' philosophy, that kind of stuff. So I decided to make this novel about a group of friends 
who have to unravel this conspiracy through dreams. And that was in 2010, and I haven't finished it yet. Uh, But I've been working on it like crazy. I've rewritten it, and that's kind of my work in progress over the last 10 years off and on. And really in the last year, I've really buckled down and have made a lot of progress. I'm excited about it. My goal is to finish it this summer. So let's get right into it. The first episode was fun, but that was just kind of just a warm-up. This episode is when we're really going to start to teach you some things that are going to be really useful for you. So John, let's get right into it. What's something you wish you knew back when you started? Well, lesson number six, I think, goes with both of our stories really keenly in that going from a book idea to a published book is a process that takes a long time, like forever. (laughs) <laughs> and I was unprepared for how slow I would go in working on this book and editing it and changing it and fixing things. Then I was really unprepared for how slow the publishing world moves. I thought, oh, you send a manuscript off and someone looks at it and then uh, they email you the next day. More like they email you months later. <laughs> uh, it, it goes very, very slow. I started Car Seat Conversations over a decade ago and, and we're still not a published book. It took a long time to write. I think one of the biggest mistakes that writers make, though, is they get antsy and they try to shop something before it's ready. That's the biggest mistake that people make, I think, is they shop before it's ready, Mm -hmm. before it can be as good as it can be. That means you probably have to read it aloud. You may have to go over every single page 45 times. That's what some (laughs) authors say they do. So it's kind of crazy. And I understand the publishing side now better than I did before. Imagine you're an agent. You have 100 authors underneath you. They have 100 books coming out this year. And you have to look at all those. Also look at new work coming in. It's just you'd have a stack of books to the ceiling. So I understand when they don't get back quickly. And I understand that. And editors are probably the same way at the publishing houses. So it's a slow process. And I don't think I was fully prepared for that. Gotcha. That's good to know. Yeah, I'm I'm not there yet. Uh, I'm not even ready to start that process. So maybe I'll just ask you a few questions because I don't have too much to contribute to this one. So when, when you send in and, and now you're waiting a month to hear back, are you submitting to other agents as well? Do you start writing something else? What do you do in that time while you're kind of waiting for a response? I'll tell you what, once you have an agent, you send them your book, they have it, and you're just waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have it for a long period of time. My agent had for several months. Uh, she's an awesome agent and eventually got back to me and said, hey, if you want to make any changes, make them now. I'm going to send it out. But I need to tell you the process at their end is going to take a while. Right. Don't expect to answer back very quickly. And I'll tell you what, one of the hardest things is starting that next book when you feel like all your energy is waiting on this current book. So yeah. I have started more Car Seat Conversations, The Secret Life of a Dad, part two. Nice. Original name. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that would be what I would try to do too. Instead of driving myself crazy waiting for that response, move right. on to the next thing as hard yeah. as that may be. It, it was hard. Yeah. So speaking of moving on to the next thing, let's go ahead and go to lesson number five. So this is one of mine. And my advice would be have a deleted stuff file. So I kind of got this from Neil Gaiman. I watched his masterclass, which we're going to talk about in a future episode, but he called it his compost pile. So he has this pile where when he deletes stuff, he throws it there and he just kind of lets it all meld together and it's there if he ever wants to use it again. And I liked that idea. And let me tell you right now, if you're just getting into writing, you're going to be deleting a lot of stuff. (laughs) Uh, But what it did for me personally, and I think a lot of authors will relate to this, is it's hard to delete that stuff you care so much about, right? And when I feel like I'm putting it somewhere... 
it's just a little mental trick where it doesn't feel like I'm killing it. I'm just putting it on a shelf, you know, and it made it much easier to kind of break that attachment to some of the things that needed to be removed from my novel to make it more efficient, to make it read faster, but was just hard to say goodbye to. Uh Uh-huh. One of the things I do, uh, to help me in the same way is I just have a email that I never clean out. I have Mm. emails from a different century in there (laughs) and I will put that file into that email. I'll email myself basically that file Mm -hmm. and then I can just delete it. And I'm like, I have it there if I ever want it. I mean, I have to sort through emails from 1995 in there, but it's there. So it's kind of like, like you said, I put it in my mind. It's there if I ever need it. Mm-hmm. But now I've gotten rid of it in a way. Yeah. And chances are you're probably never going to look at it again, but at least it gave you the strength. Yes. <laughs> to take it <laughs> out. First step. Yes. That takes us to lesson number four. Be hard on yourself about not writing. David Sedaris said, I never read books by people who don't write every day because they don't have any books. You can't get caught up in reading about writing, talking about writing, thinking about writing, and not ever actually writing. Do you know what college and marathons have in common? People almost never finish either one of them. Lots of people start them. Over half people don't finish them. It's the exact same thing with a book. So be hard on yourself about not writing. Try to write every day and uh, really get after it. Yeah, I think sometimes we like to think, you know, if I work really hard for short periods of time, there's this big payoff, you know, there's shortcuts to things. The common phrase is work smarter, not harder. Yeah. There's this kind of infatuation with like, oh, find the easiest way to do something. The answer no one wants to hear is the best way to do it is just really grind consistently. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And that's true of a lot of things. You know, running, I experience it all the time, but it's definitely true of writing. You get in a groove. Yeah. You know, when when I've taken long breaks from writing and I've taken very long breaks from writing, when I come back, my progress is much slower because I'm not used to it. There's almost a writing muscle there. Right. If you let it atrophy, you got to bring it back and it's hard. I I actually heard an interesting thing recently where when you sit down to write your first hour of writing, most people average... 200 words per minute. Mm. And then when you get into your second hour of writing, most people's average go up to four to 500 words a minute because you get in that groove, Mm -hmm. which I totally have experienced that. And I would bet on a larger scale, there's probably similar statistics when you've taken weeks off. Coming back, you're going to be slow. Lesson number three, flowery writing is not good writing. So I think this is something new authors really fall into this trap a lot. I know I'm one of them. You're not writing poetry. If you are, this is probably the wrong podcast for you. (laughs) Neither John or myself are poets. But if you're writing genre fiction or nonfiction autobiography stuff, it's it's different. Humorous essays. Don't show off by using the biggest vocab you can. It, It takes people out of the story. What my tip would be is be creative with your story and development, not with your language. People aren't reading you for your language. They're reading you for your story and your ability to tell that story. But it's not about what words you use or how many adjectives you can put in a sentence. Usually, the more simple it is, the better. And what I've found is when you are very uh, selective and when you use those, they're more impactful. If Mm -hmm. you use too many, it becomes white noise because Mm -hmm. every sentence has all this language in it. Like when when you have that, even if it's an adverb, which some people tell you don't use adverbs at all, but if you're going to use an adverb, it's going to have punch if you only use one. My first book was really a James Patterson ripoff. My second was a Cold Mountain wannabe. My third, my current book, Car Seat Conversations, The Secret Life of a Dad, it's me. It's my voice. The difference, I think, this one I wrote for me. It's not for my agent. It's not for a publisher. 
It's for my daughters. And they're who the book is about. And with this book, I found like I really found my voice. I wasn't trying to imitate anybody else. And it was so much work to write those other ones. I felt like I was just making everything up, trying to sound like someone else. And this Mm -hmm. one, there's more of a flow there. Very smooth flow of it. This is me. This is me. This is what I talk like. And uh, it's consistent throughout the book. Yeah, that's great. That brings us to lesson number two. Quit being hard on yourself about rough drafts. This is hard to get over. I'll tell you a little bit about my process. I uh, bullet point out an essay before I write it, and then I handwrite out everything with the thought, this is just handwriting. It can go anywhere. It doesn't matter. Lie to yourself. I'll cut this later. I'm just going to write it out now to get it out there. Do you ever have a conversation with someone and then later think, oh, ah, I should have said this? Think of that rough draft as that beginning conversation. And you can always go back and say what you should have said. Yep. Just have that conversation to start out with. Have that conversation. And then later, put in those brilliant comebacks. (laughs) People think you're a genius. Yep. Quit being hard on yourself on those rough drafts. Yeah, I agree. And I I guess question for you. When you write a rough draft, do you share that with anyone? Do you have anyone that you would show that to, like a critique partner or anything like that? Or do you go through several rounds of revision before you would even share with someone like that? I don't share it with anyone. It's handwritten and I allow myself to be sloppy in it. I will cross words out. I will draw arrows. I'll take a red pen and say, X this out, but I can still read underneath of it in case I want to keep it. I don't. I I really try to edit things down myself and I need to do better at that. I need to find some partner that I can work with in that way, probably. What about you? Do you let someone see your rough drafts or do you work your way through them? Yeah, so I I do. So I don't bother with the handwriting stuff. I work straight from my document. You know, I go back and delete things all the time. And usually, you know, I have a friend that I know is very positive, And that's usually who I share my first rough draft with. You know, right, I, right. I also want readers who are critical, like you're going to want to find beta readers who aren't afraid to tell you it sucks. Right. But that's not usually who I share my rough draft. With. <laughs> uh, I actually usually read it to them. We have an app called Marco Polo. And I, I literally read it out loud which is good because I'm hearing it, but also I'm sharing it with someone who can then give me feedback like that was kind of boring or that was awesome or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I do. It's a double-edged sword though because I usually send out like a yearly update on my novel and sometimes I regret that because I feel like I've lost beta readers who read really crappy versions of my novel (laughs) and were like, this isn't very good. And now I want to be like, it's better. Read the new version. But, you know, you kind of already shot your shot. So I I think you kind of have to be selective with when you're willing to do it. But I do think there's some positives. You know, the more eyes you can get on it, it it does help. I agree. I I think I made a mistake with my book, to be honest. I, uh, I wrote it, edited it, did it all myself, didn't let anyone look at it, had an agent send it out. And the publisher... One of the publishers came back and said, hey, send us your website. Send us people who have seen it that that really like it. No one had seen it. I didn't even tell anyone I wrote a book. So I was really behind the eight ball in that situation. And once again, it's learning about the publishing industry and learning about what's expected. and, And I was unaware. Yeah. I've got about 10 people that love my book. Like genuinely love it. That's huge. They're begging me for up to, and it's motivating for me. Like that is huge. Helpful. Like it gives me, because at some point when you're writing, if you're writing a really long novel, you get to this point where you're like, man, I don't know if I can finish this. Yes. When you have a few people who are like, dude, you're doing good. It's big. If that first beta reader were to come back to me, the first person I let see it and said, eh, it's okay. I never would have finished. 
right. would not have finished. Instead, she came back and said, this is so good. Mm-hmm. And that was, you're absolutely right. That was huge. That made yep. it, that said, you're going in the right direction. Yep. All right. So we got to keep moving here. Lesson one, I would tell myself to write shorter chapters. And this is really specific to, to my genre a little bit, but I think it, it could benefit everyone. You want to keep things fast. You want to keep things moving. Natural tendency as writers is we kind of get long winded. We say more than needs to be said in that first draft usually. Yep. And it really helps with pacing. A really important part of writing and reading is the reader wants to feel like they're making progress. So this is kind of a hack to make the readers feel like they're making more progress as they read because they're knocking out chapters. And also what it does is it lets you jump forward through boring stuff. Some really good advice I got in writing that changed how I write was enter a scene late, leave a scene early. Mm, Good. When you start a new chapter, it gives you that chance to just enter the scene a little bit further in and skip the boring stuff. You know, we don't need to hear how he took a taxi to get to the apartment before this conversation happened. Right, right. So for me, one of my big things when I'm editing is I'm constantly saying to myself, make this tighter, cut something, make this sharper. I just wrote a piece called Hooked. And when I first typed it all out, it was 1500 words. I just, what I would say completed it. It's a thousand words. I cut 500 words. It's better. It's tighter. And nothing was lost. Nothing. So I think that's really the goal. This summer, when I started revising my novel, it was 137,000 words. (laughs) I have added five chapters and it is 88,000 words now. So so I've probably cut out 50 to 60,000 words on this revision. But something I realized is when you're writing a novel, you almost have to approach it like a race. Like you want to get to the good stuff as fast as you possibly can. And and that was a huge shift because before I was almost how much can I put in here? You know, let, like, let's right. see how much more I can pack in. There's a famous adage of, of the person who sends something out to agents and they all gets rejected and they all looked at it. And the person says, but it gets so good in chapter four. And the agent's response is, well, then cut the first three chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was a big one for me. You got to be willing to cut and make things short and streamlined. That'll wrap up our lessons for this week. Thanks again for tuning in. If you found these lessons helpful, please consider subscribing to Writing in Progress on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Make sure you tune in next Monday at 7 for eight of our favorite writing resources. I'm Justin Kreps. The best way to keep up with my writing is on Instagram, where my handle is at J underscore M underscore Kreps, or YouTube, where my channel is just my name. And I'm John Woolley. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Car Seat Conversations and on the web at johnwoolleyauthor.com. Until then, work the process, process the work, keep writing. You got this.